If you would remain standing and turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. We are starting our foray into Acts this morning. Very excited about this. Um, Not that I was tired of Luke, but it is good to go into something new. But as we'll see in just a minute, it's really not that new. (laughs) So, we'll be reading verses 1 through 11 this morning of the first chapter of Acts. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. The words are also printed in your bulletin. The Acts of the Apostles. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself to them alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had gathered together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Amen. You may be seated. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we open up the book of Acts this morning, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing and honoring in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name alone that we pray. Amen. So three years ago, when I was planning out our sermon series, um, and as I was praying through this, uh, I felt like God was calling us to look through the Gospel of Luke. And I came to the realization that if we were going to go through Luke then we would have to follow up by going through Acts. Because if we didn't go through Acts, it would be like leaving a a basketball game during halftime. Stephanie and I went to a a football game one time at Auburn, which is where she graduated. Uh, It was the year that Cam Newton was there, the year they won the national championship. It was homecoming. They had some uh, no-name opponent. I can't even remember who it was. And at that point, we did leave at halftime. (laughs) The score was so lopsided, and I don't think Cam was going to play the second half, so we left. Um, But when the game is close, you don't leave at halftime. With Luke here, he wrote two volumes. He wrote his gospel, and he wrote the book of Acts. They are, in a sense, meant to be together. So as we have gone through Luke, the intention was always to continue on and to go through Acts as well. Now, Acts was written to the same person that Luke wrote his gospel to, and that is to Theophilus. 
And as he writes to Theophilus, the question that we have is, what effect did this book have on Theophilus? And the answer is this, that it inspired Theophilus. It strengthened his faith. It deepened his faith in the gospel. He became certain of the things that he had been taught. And my prayer is that as we go through Acts, is that those same things would be applied to us, that our faith would be strengthened, deepened, that we would be certain of the things that we would be taught, that we would be inspired uh, by the faith that we see and what God is doing in Acts. So before we begin, there's going to be five major themes that we see through the book of Acts, and I'm not going to explain these now, I'm just going to mention them so that when we see them, we'll know what they are. Um, First of all, Acts is all about the gospel being the mission and the message of the church. Why does the church exist? Well, the church exists because of the gospel, and the church exists to propagate the gospel, to be witnesses of the gospel. Uh, In a sense, what the church is, is a vehicle that God uses to promote the gospel here on earth. Um, And it may not be the sleekest vehicle around, because what that means is that God uses us, but it's a very powerful vehicle. And uh, I saw that demonstrated over the last couple of weeks. Um, As you know, we have this continuing saga of the fact that our cars have been stolen. Uh, We do have one that has been returned. The other one should be this week, hopefully. Um, But uh, one of the generous members of our congregation allowed me to borrow one of their uh, cars this past uh, couple of weeks, and it was a Camry. Now, there's nothing sleek about a Camry. It's just a very sensible car, right? Well, when I got in it, I was not used to the power that it had. And so when I was going 80 down the highway, and my son said, Dad, you might be going a little too fast. (laughs) I didn't realize that. uh, that My truck, you could feel when it's going 80. This one I couldn't feel. Um, And it was just in a Camry. That's kind of like the church. It's not the sleekest vehicle around, but it has an incredible amount of power because we have the Holy Spirit in us. Um, What we'll also see is that the gospel moves forward despite opposition. Throughout Acts, we're going to see opposition left and right, and we're going to see the gospel moving forward, not only in spite of it, but also because of it, because of it. Um, playing off of the gospel moving forward, we'll see that the gospel progresses to the ends of the earth. What starts in Jerusalem, as we read this morning, is going to end in chapter 28 in Rome. Rome, the center of the known world at that time. We're going to see how the gospel spreads to the ends of the earth. And with that, we're going to see that the gospel is also universal. It's not just for Jews. It is for the whole world. World, And we're going to see that demonstrated throughout the book. And finally, so we'll see that the gospel is the mission and the message of the church, that the gospel moves forward in spite of opposition, it moves to the ends of the earth, that it's a universal gospel, and we're going to see that God is the one who accomplishes this. It's going to be extremely exciting. Um, Many of your Bibles may say uh, that this book is called the Acts of the Apostles, Well, I would venture to say that it should be actually called the Acts of the Holy Spirit because that's what we're going to see here is how the Holy Spirit is working through the church. Yes, God is using the church, but he is the one who is accomplishing this. And we'll see this all over the book of Acts. Um, Our theme verse as we go through this book will be Acts 1 verse 8, and we read it this morning. 
Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And this is actually the outline of the book of Acts as well. We'll see if through the first eight chapters of how the gospel is in Jerusalem and how it's spreading there. In the next couple of chapters, 9 through 13, we'll see it spread to Judea and Samaria. And finally, in the life of Paul, as we conclude Acts, we're going to see it going to the ends of the earth. It's going to be very exciting as we go through this. So let's look at these first 11 verses this morning. What is God, uh, what truth does God have for us this morning? So as he starts off here, he again starts off with Theophilus. And we know that this is volume 2 of his work because it's to the same person. And he says there in verse 1 that he wrote to Theophilus about all that Jesus began to do and teach. So what this tells us is that in Acts, what we're going to see is a continuation of what Jesus was doing and teaching. Luke was just the beginning. The work of Christ continues in Acts. Yes, Christ has gone up to heaven. He has ascended. But his mission continues, and it continues through the church by the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke then gives a short synopsis of his gospel, of what Jesus did, that he died, he rose again, he taught his disciples after 40 days before ascending into heaven. And then Luke recapitulates the ascension. We had it at the end of Luke and we have it again here. But he gives us a little more information. And he has the disciples asking Jesus this question. And we see that in verse 6. They say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of, uh, to Israel? And at first glance, you see that and you, you start to think to yourself, oh my goodness, do these disciples still not get it? Jesus has been with them his whole life. He's been teaching them over the last 40 days. Don't they get it? that He's not going to do that right now. Um, but I think actually the opposite is that the disciples do get it. They do understand that Jesus is the one who is going to restore the kingdom. But they don't understand the timing behind it. So Jesus has to remind them, listen, this is not the time. In fact, God only knows the time. We have a sovereign God who acts in the right way at the right time. And this is encouraging to us to know that God is sovereign. It's encouraging because we know that we can have eternal security, that God is in control. But let's be honest, sometimes the sovereignty of God is also hard. Because we don't understand His timing, we often don't know His timing, and it requires us to have faith and to trust. About 35 years ago, my mother had to experience that. Uh, She was told by her doctor a certain date of when her last child, her son, was to be born. Well, that day came and went. Another week came and went. And these were in the days that they didn't induce you right away if you hit your due date. So one week came. Two weeks came and went. Three weeks from her due date came and went. Finally, 26 days after her due date, after much tears and frustration, her son was born, and she still gives me grief about it. (laughs) But um, it's all in God's timing. It's not in ours. So this is the sovereign God that we serve. We do not know the time, 
but we know his plan. And Jesus reveals his plan to his disciples in our passage. You do not know when God is going to restore the kingdom, but this is how he is going to do it. He is going to use you by the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses starting here at Jerusalem, extending to Judea and Samaria, and eventually to the ends of the earth. So in our time this morning, we need to understand what does it mean that God is using us to be witnesses of the gospel? What is a witness? Well, we understand in a courtroom, a witness is one who testifies to a crime. They give their version, in a sense, of the truth of what they have seen, and uh, they do that under oath. Well, as we go throughout the book of Acts, and as we see this word witness, we need to understand the Greek behind it. And I don't do this very often, but I think it's very, often, very important with this word. With this Greek word witness that we translate, it's also the word that we translate for martyr. We also get our English word martyr from this word witness. So in Acts, when we read that word witness, it's virtually synonymous with our word martyr. So what kind of connotations does that bring up in our minds as we think about being a witness? As we look throughout the book of Acts in the lives of the disciples, we'll see it in the life of Stephen, we'll see it in the life of Paul, even though Acts doesn't end with the end of Paul's life, we know what happens to Paul. Eleven of the twelve disciples were martyred. The only one who uh, lived a long life was John. Stephen was martyred. Paul was martyred. So many of the early Christians were martyred for their faith. And this is what God, this is what Christ was calling them to as witnesses. And we know that throughout church history, the persecutions that were suffered by Christians who are witnesses of the gospel. This is what we are called to as witnesses. So why are we called to this? Or why are, how are we able to do this? One, if we believe in the gospel of Jesus, we have such a security, such a hope that we are able to rest in the love and of the provision of God our Father. We know that our eternal destiny is secure, and because of knowing God, we are then willing and able to make Him known. Is that easy? No. Does that wax and wane in our lives? It absolutely does. But as Christians, we have the privilege of having the Holy Spirit who, who gives us faith, who builds faith in us. So that no matter what happens in our lives, X, Y, or Z, we know that we have Jesus. So being a witness today one of the biggest ways that we can be a witness is how we react to things in our lives. And I think this is one of the strongest ways that we can be a witness of the gospel. Um, if you're like me, I do not like inconveniences. Uh, over this last month, not having our vehicles has been an extreme inconvenience. And I thank you as members of our congregation who have stepped up, who have donated your vehicles to us that we have been able to use um, and we greatly appreciate it. 
but it seems like every day I'm on the phone with either the insurance company or the body shop trying to get things worked out. We thought we'd have one vehicle back last Friday, then it was Monday, then it was Tuesday, and then it was Wednesday, and then I don't know. Finally, uh, Friday at about 5 o'clock, we got our van back. Just an extreme inconvenience. And I know it was my fault, which makes me feel worse, but um, I do not like inconveniences. Uh, traffic in the morning, someone going uh, slow in the fast lane, uh, long lines at the checkouts, uh, being on hold, um, uh, inconveniences. But how do we deal with these inconveniences in our lives? our witness to our belief in the gospel. How we deal with the trials and the struggles that we are presented with in our lives are a testament to our belief in the gospel. You know, it's a, more, it's a greater testament to how we deal with these trials and sufferings than, than how we deal with the good things in our life. Uh, it shows more about our witness when we are fired from a job and how we react to that than when we are hired. Um, it, it shows more of how a witness we are of the gospel and the Holy Spirit working in our lives when we lose a child and how we react to that than when God blesses us with the birth of a child. How do we react to these difficult things in our lives? Are we able to trust in Christ? Are we able to have peace that passes all understanding? Are we able to have joy in trials? Because we know that our strongest witness is when we are able to struggle well as Christians. When people are able to look at us in our trials and to see the joy that we have in Christ. That is extremely difficult. But that's why God has given us the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. He says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you but because my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The power that Christ gives us as witnesses by the Holy Spirit is this. It's not necessarily to do miracles, although we did see the disciples do some miracles. The power that we receive from the Holy Spirit is the power to do this is to preach the foolishness of the gospel with our lives, with our words, with our actions. It's the power to give, the power to love others, the power to serve, to sacrifice. It's the power to endure, the power to have joy in suffering. You know, Paul in Philippians 4, verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When I was in high school, I misunderstood that verse. And I wrote that verse on my tennis shoes for, uh, for my basketball team because I thought that with that verse, maybe I could slam dunk a basketball. <laughs> maybe we could go out and conquer as a basketball team because we can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. But in reality, if you read the context of that, Paul says that in the midst of trial and suffering. He's in prison. And what he says is that I have learned to be content in all circumstances because I know what it is to have plenty and I know what it is to be in want. And what Paul is saying is that I can endure all things because of Christ who strengthens me. So as we go through the book of Acts, um, 
what we're going to do is we're going to critique ourselves and use this as a calling in our lives because we as Trinity are called to be witnesses. If you look on the front of your bulletin at the bottom, you'll see our mission statement, and I'm going to read it. It says, Trinity Fellowship Church desires to glorify God by equipping a community of believers to worship God and be witnesses of Him in central Arkansas and to the ends of the earth. So the question for us is, how are we doing? How are we doing as witnesses of the gospel here in central Arkansas and to the ends of the earth? I think we need to take an honest critique of ourselves. And the question is, is this. Uh, If we are called to suffering, to endure in trials, how are we suffering? Are we suffering well? Are we finding peace and hope and even joy from the gospel even in the midst of trials and suffering and cancer and emotional distress and of, uh, of problems at work and struggles in family? Are we finding joy in this? So I'm excited as we go through Luke, uh, through Luke Volume 2, the book of Acts. Because I'm going to see, uh, we're going to see as a body of how the Holy Spirit works in the life of the church. And as Presbyterians, that's something we struggle with. The power of the Holy Spirit working in and working through us. And God is going to call us to suffer well as witnesses for the gospel. So our charge is this, that God gives us, His people, the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses of the gospel. And He does this through endurance. So we need to believe the truth of the gospel to be courageous witnesses of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Let us pray. Our most gracious God and our Father in heaven, we thank you for the gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ, who came to live with us, who died on the cross for our sins, who was raised from the grave three days later, who now sits at the right hand, at your right hand in glory, and who we know will be coming again. And Lord, we know your plan, that you have sent your Holy Spirit into us, your body, the church, so that we might be witnesses of you, starting here and to the ends of the earth. I pray that you would use us for that purpose, that you would use us as witnesses who would endure the trials and the sufferings that we experience in this life with a peace that passes all understanding, with a joy that comes from knowing you. And Father, I pray that you would be able to look at us, your servants, and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And we know we can only do this through the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, continue to pour him out on us, we pray. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.